Hi everyone, it's Derek here. Um, got something special and new for you here. This is a pod drop for a, a new podcast created by our dear friend Terrell called Dodging Hollow. Basically, Dodging Hollow is all about the things that are keeping us whole in the mess of 2020. And even though Dodging Hollow isn't really a games podcast, we all thought that y'all would enjoy this anyway. So um, I had a bit, I had a blast being a, a co-host on this uh, first episode. We talk about corn mazes and breakfast sandwiches and magic the gathering it, it's a lot of fun i think you guys are really gonna like it um we'll be back soon with more scholars of play stuff but in the meantime you should definitely subscribe to dodging hollow on soundcloud uh, and that's soundcloud.com sl- uh, slash dodging dash hollow and also you can just find links in the description uh, of this episode so sit back relax and enjoy Bye then, be safe friend, though you dare go although. Hello, welcome to Dodging Hollow, a huddle around the bonfire where we share the things keeping us whole in the midst of the darkness that is 2020. I'm Terrell Taylor. I'm Kyle Romero. And I'm Derek Price. You might be familiar with us from the Scholars That Play podcast and related content. Uh, and don't fret, that's not going anywhere. We've still got plenty of content to come on the stove and we're cooking. But I spoke with Kyle and Derek and we've decided to try something a bit different than the usual project of Scholars at Play. Specifically, we're offering this project titled Dodging Hollow as a kind of response to the situation. And by that, I'm referring to the compounding state of affairs that we might call 2020. Uh, and including that, the global pandemic claiming over 200,000 lives in the United States alone, the quarantine, social distance, virtual Zoom life that we've all been confined to for academics, all the baggage that teaching and the job market entails because of that, the national protests concerning police brutality, social media nastiness responding to protests concerning police brutality, social media nastiness full stop, the tragic celebrity and now political figure deaths of including Kobe Bryant, Chadwick Boseman, and Ruth Bader Ginsburg, among others, the weariness of another round of a 2016-style election year, and the weight of all of that cognitively and emotionally. And so we've developed Dodging Hollow as a way for us to root, to get grounded with the things that keep us moving and breathing, uh, giving everything that's going on, somewhat in the style of the What's in Your System uh, episodes from Scholars at Play, uh, but beyond the topics associated with video games to really anything that's keeping the flame lit, so to speak. The title, Dodging Hollow, is a reference to the quote from the Dark Souls NPC, which you have just heard, Be safe, friend. Don't you dare go hollow. And what more apt metaphor for 2020 than playing Dark Souls? <laughs> and that's because I hate 2020. That's... <laughs> uh, and that's that. That's the uh, pitch of the show. We're trying things out, and like scholars at play, we'll evolve and move as we move. Uh, for this initial episode of Dodging Hollow, we've each brought something that's kept us from going hollow to share with each other and with you in hopes that the whole crew can keep from hitting the bottom. So let's get started. Kyle, how have you kept from being hollow? Well, uh, I got a real twister for you guys here. <laughs> uh, I'm going to talk about corn mazes. I love these freaking things. <laughs> <laughs> 
I love these gosh darn carbohydrates. I love these gosh darn ve- vegetable vegetable uh, twisters. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, when when uh, Trell pitched this idea of you know things things that keep us happy, I was like, well, or things that keep you you know whole, sane. Uh, I started thinking about the things that I do that bring me a lot of joy, and maybe some things that like, I haven't interrogated because what's the point of you know living if we don't interrogate everything in our life? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> just today. Uh, my wife Kate and I went to a corn maze, which is a pretty good, like, socially distanced outdoor event that you can do. And I like felt the joy of a small child. And I oh, okay, okay, yeah, I get it now. That makes okay. sense now. Yeah, the, the, I tried to I tried to trip everyone up with the corn maze one. <laughs> um, and so I started thinking about like, well, why does this make me so happy? And I've I've liked corn mazes since I was a little kid. And as I've kind of been thinking about this, I think I know why. Um. Here's my theory of why I like corn mazes so much. Kyle's comprehensive um, corn maze theory. Theory. K-C-M-T. Um, a corn maze has a beginning and an end. And you can find those, and they're real. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that's, I like that. I mean, I guess it's all mazes in general. But I'm talking, uh, I guess, I don't encounter a lot of like mazes in real life. The, really, the only kind of maze you encounter is a corn maze. Um <laughs> <laughs> so that's that I, th- I think i like things that have a beginning and an end and then second which is the one i wanted to kind of bring to you guys there's some joy i really find in like understanding myself in three-dimensional space yes does that I make sense I, yeah absolutely but say more okay so like in like three-dimensional positionality so this maze that we're in today which is the biggest maze in new england I'm not going to say the name because they didn't pay us and they don't they don't get an ad on our show. Um, this maze, uh, they give you like the map, but the maze is huge and there's like dozens of turns and like most people just like threw the maps out. Um, and the map is like from, you know, a top view, uh, like rendered in lines, but you're in corn, right? And there's nothing I love more than trying to like find myself on a map and like position myself, you know, depending on all the different ways you yeah. can turn and go. Um yeah, I find it just so immensely fulfilling. And so- <laughs> Can I ask you something, Kyle? Yes. Did you, were you in Boy Scouts? I was not in Boy Scouts, no. Oh, so you never did, like, orienteering? Did you ever... I, I understand some folks did orienteering without being in a scouting program, but... I lived a, you know, warm, comfortable existence in a house most <laughs> of my childhood. No compasses <laughs> involved. You would like orienteering. I think you would actually love it. It's like cross-country running, but then you have to tag little like you have to find little landmarks and like get a little punch on a little card and you have to race to the finish i don't know sorry this is totally that sounds awesome it's right up your alley i think i come from like a brand of soft boys who (laughs) never really went outside but liked to fancy themselves as a person who went outside if that resonates with you guys at all and so i think a corn maze is, is a great way to be i'm like i'm outdoors i'm exploring I'm like in wilderness, but there's like no actual threats and <laughs> and no fear of getting lost. Um, yeah. The way that I, I was thinking about this, I, I like this. The, the, this is a, a fun track to go down instead of what I was thinking, but um, <laughs> <laughs> like just insulting my, myself as a child. Like I'm always for that. Um, I really like, like I said, imagining myself in three dimensional space and then kind of like layering that in as like, in my head kind of like this is gonna sound wild but like having a hud like a heads-up display yeah 
in my head, right? Yeah. And so, like, while I'm walking, I love imagining a flat map with me as, like, a dot in it, like, you know, in, in a video game, like, on a mini yeah. map, and yeah. myself moving in that corn maze. So, um, yep, corn maze. <laughs> They're great. Okay. I also, yeah, continue. Big, big important question. Yep. Did you escape? Okay, so. Oh, I'm sorry, I, I'm I, sorry. Second important question. <laughs> Did you defeat the <laughs> Minotaur? Minotaur that lives inside the corn maze. The Cornotaur. Uh, the Cornotaur. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we vanquished him with a roasting pan and some butter. Um, <laughs> Delicious. But uh, so I wasn't going to bring it up. I was, but <laughs> the <laughs> uh, the did maze you get they, first place. Well, so they did say that the maze can take up to three hours if you uh, get lost, and they said the fastest that they've ever seen someone solve it was in thirty minutes. And this. The second they said that, I turned to Kate, and she just, like, was already looking down because she's like, he's going to have to freaking do it in under 30 minutes. Like, so she knew. <laughs> like, I turned to her, and I'm like, oh? And she was like, oh, great. Okay, cool. So he, we're going to be, like, jogging through this maze. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's, I'm going to study the map for, like, four or five minutes to just, like, get optimal routes, and then we're going to, like, figure it out, you know? Um so, I, I mean, I will say we did do it in 22 minutes. That's, that's all I'm going to say. We, we were in that maze at 2.51 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and we left at 3.13. And that's, like, that's just a fact, and that's fine. Um, all hail the Corn King. The Corn King. <laughs> it did say congratulations on the way out. Um, so on that note, th that's, that's what's been keeping me from, from going hollow. The coronation of your... The, oh, your yeah. corn court. I'm gonna go to your coronation. Man, I love you guys so much. Oh. This is so great. Um, I I love thinking of three dimensional space. I love puns. I love corn. I did also have <laughs> mac and cheese in a waffle cone. So it, it's been a very good, fulfilling day for me. And I wanted to bring that joy to the people who are young or young at heart who are gonna listen to this. Amen. Yeah, God's um, pretty awesome. And I have to say, like, you know, the idea of sort of orienting yourself in um, space, you know, the way you're talking about that makes me think about the way I went to middle school after a summer of playing Ocarina of Time and just like mm, maneuvering exactly. from locker to gym class was very yep. much felt like the rhythm of Link moving through. Done. Unless it's nighttime, in that case you don't you don't have that. You just got the little the rhythm of the. Yep. So. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I was not making a lot of noise. That that uh. Yeah. If anything, I was just getting a little self conscious, thinking about like, wow, this is what's going on in my head, but I'm also in sixth grade, and people are not kind. So I can be a nerd in my head. I just can't be a nerd visibly <laughs> yes so a secret nerd if you will exactly <laughs> a ninja nerd <laughs> um so uh i i completely agree that's like, like literally my first thought was like ocarina of time map like when i was like when i go through a corn maze i mean i, I was probably playing those playing ocarina of time when i was a kid going through corn mazes as well right and that kind of like moving yourself through like quote unquote dungeon of like you're a little dot and you're moving through the place Oof, love it um, so with that certainty, I want to hand this over to Derek and I, I, I need Derek, I need to know what is keeping you whole 
in this time? That's a great question, Kyle. Um, I want to talk about breakfast. Yes. And I was I was always kind of a breakfast person even before quarantine. But when you are not commuting, you have even you have like another 10 minutes. And I really think the difference between having like 10 minutes to make breakfast and 20 minutes to make breakfast. Everything. A world of difference. So uh, uh, and, and like there is something about like because I don't go to different physical places anymore. There's something about like having like re- uh, segmented sections of my morning, afternoon and evening based around activities like cooking that helps me remember that life has a structure and maybe also possibly meaning, um, but mostly just a, a just any sort of template for how I'm supposed to do things. And so uh, I've got two. I've, I've, I want to tell you the tale of two breakfasts. Okay. One breakfast is the best of times. (laughs) (laughs) What'd you say, Charles? Uh, Just extending the Charles Dickens reference, but continue. It was the it was the best best of breakfasts. breakfasts. It was the worst of breakfasts. No, one of the breakfasts is a a sort of stable, like solid. It makes like I make it the same way every time. Um, It is reliable. It is like vaguely healthy. Um, it like makes me feel virtuous. Right. Uh, and so that one, that one, that one is just like an anchoring sort of work a day breakfast. That's the 2005 Honda Accord of breakfast. Bingo. Yes. That's perfect. That's per. I was, I'm also like maybe going to buy a used car soon. So maybe I'll be thinking about it. This is kind of like a breakfast. Exactly. That's how I'm going to convince myself. The other one is like this world is fucked and i need something that tastes good but i also want to make it quickly and i don't want to for me like if if breakfast takes longer than 20 minutes now i should be making french toast or like (laughs) doing an entire pack of bacon and like cutting up fruit and it should be like a brunch basically right so like like, popping champagne yeah like this should be i should be right there should be a mimosa um so like finding the indulgent breakfast but also finding the process for producing it in a time frame that allows me to actually still do something with my life, even if it's uh, not productive things. Um, that's the other breakfast. So the first one is my spinach and cheddar toast. Mm. And I have to give a shout out to my uh, my partner, Sophia, because we sort of built this together. She was finishing like, her like dissertation. Like your 2005 Honda Accord. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we bought. We each brought some pieces to the table, and we and sort of pieced it together. It. And it's just kind of keeping us going right now. And it gets 28 highway and like, <laughs> right, that's exactly. it. Yeah. So um, this is, I, this isn't really so much a recipe as it is a description of process, but you could probably use it as a recipe. And and the key thing here for me is each of the, what, what I found satisfying is like this one, the spinach cheddar toast has a very regular process, whereas the sort of bacon cheddar breakfast sandwich, while not in any in any means um, sort of a new concept, the process was iterative, and I slowly worked my way towards that ideal of indulgent but doable in 20 minutes. Okay. Uh, Derek, can I pause you? For, can I stop you for one second? I yes. love every single thing about this. Please continue. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Spinach cheddar toast. First, you take the bread, you put it in the toaster. Okay. What kind of bread? Uh, multigrain bread. Yes. Virtuous. We're thinking virtue. Virtue. We are a reliable Virtuous. part no of white the community. We, yep. we cast the white bread out 
We keep but it not, pure. Not entirely. The white bread just stays okay. off to the corner because it's coming back in just a few minutes. <laughs> um, so you put your bread in your toaster because it's in your freezer because you don't want it to get dried out on the counter. Um, so that means you have an extra long toasting cycle, which allows you to do your prep for the rest of the stuff while it's doing its first cycle of toasting. Because you have to do two toasts so that you don't over toast it. Because you do the first one, you check it, and you're like, okay, it needs about half more, half, like 50% more time toasting. In this time, you either slice cheese off the block. I got to confess, we've always used like block cheese. So I'm slicing cheese off the block. I'm slicing the lemon. And then Whoa. I'm- Wait, you yeah. said the lemon? Slicing the lemon. <laughs> just cutting it in half. Where does lemon come from? <laughs> wait, just wait. So the toast is in the, is in the, is in the uh, toaster. Um, pan goes on the, uh, on the stove. Oil. Garlic goes in the pan. 30 seconds. Whoa. Just toast it a little bit. Should smell nice right then the spinach goes in the spinach goes in with the garlic you stir it around you keep it moving medium heat right you don't want it to uh wilt too quickly or else it'll get sort of like really 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 wilted and like flimsy i'm basically i'm aiming for like medium done in the pan like while Mm. it's still on the heat right so all that this time is happening somewhere around when the spinach is coming together just perfectly the toast should be done Toast comes out of the toaster, and this is where, and I got to give it up, like this recipe works so much better when Sophia is helping. She can usually then butter the toast while I'm managing the spinach perfectly. And then you immediately put the cheese right on that buttered bread, okay? Is there a little bit of heat from the toast? It melts the cheese, starts to melt the cheese, right? Because the key thing is you don't want like cold cheese in your toast, right? That's kind of no good. Um, but at the same time, I don't want to like put this in the oven to melt the cheese or like too many steps microwave it. That's no, no that's no. no good. Too much work. So because Sophia has already toasted, has buttered the bread, put the cheese on there, I can immediately take the spinach off the heat and very quickly. Now remember that lemon. Do you remember the lemon? Kyle? I honestly, all I can think about is the lemon. <laughs> this is where it comes in. You squeeze the lemon on the on the spinach that's been taken off the heat, just uh, enough to like get it a little lemony. And now you've got a sort of lemon garlic spinach. You stir it around. The lemon adds the acidity, but it also stops the spinach from cooking. Um, but it doesn't cool it off, right? All the spinach comes out. You pull it out with tongs. You don't want to pour it out or else you get too much lemon juice on the toast. That goes on top of the cheddar, mel- doing the final melt, right? A little salt on top, and you serve. Oh, my God. It's beautiful. I'm it's in, virtuous. I was enwrapped in that. You, was... you have, look, look, look what you just had. You just had vegetables for breakfast, and it's delicious. <laughs> like, how much more beautiful could it be? Let me tell you. Mess this is, me up. Derek, this is, I need this, you. I need you to goof right. me up right now. <laughs> all right, you, you, you know this. Here's the breakfast I have when, for example, I went on Twitter at any time, <laughs> or um, a particularly bad fascist thing happened. Um, <laughs> so, like, turns out you actually just have this breakfast every day. And yeah, this, <laughs> I just like all this that, other one. I don't actually make. Just it. have an IV yeah. of it dripping into your soul at all times. <laughs> <laughs> um. So this sandwich developed when I went to Target one morning because I was sad, and so I had to leave the home, uh, and I had to do some errands as well. And I saw an advertisement for a breakfast sandwich, and I thought, "Fuck that! I can make a I can make a better breakfast sandwich." I was like, "I don't need to I don't need to go to Starbucks. I can make my own breakfast sandwich." Um, so I did a lot of testing with this, right? So it's it's really not a unique concept. It is an English muffin with. Um, 
uh, sharp cheddar slice. For this, I've only ever used sliced cheddar, right? There's a big difference, I think, emotionally Huge. between using a piece of sliced cheddar from the packet and slicing cheddar off the block. I right? feel like I think, an artisan when I slice from the block. Oh, my I'm God. Like, I'm it, creating something. It's just, <laughs> and like when you take that out of the pack, you're like, I have a hangover. I If I didn't have a hangover before, I just kind of I feel like I invoke one when I just, when I slap it on there. Okay, so here's what I iterated my way towards. The goal was I want to, I want to, I want cheese. I want egg. I want some sort of meat. I went with bacon. Um, so the way you do this one is you start by taking, oh, this is really great. You also just use whatever onion is lying in the fridge. Um, <laughs> Everyone's got one. Everyone's got listen, an onion in there. No shame. That's just how... That's how cooking works. You end up with a little bit of extra onion. Um, you you cut the onion into small slivers. Because you cut the onion in half last night for the stir fry, it's just like you can't really dice it. So you just cut little slivers of it, right? You, it, it should be very thin, very small slivers of onion. You put the piece of bacon in the pan. And as soon as the fat starts to render out, you put the onions and you start cooking the onions in the bacon fat. The bacon should finish up pretty quickly after that. You pull it out. You put it on your plate, which, of course, you've taken an old toaster oven toaster oven, sort of metal wire tray that you saved from some old toaster you don't have. Of course. You put that over top of the plate, and you put the bacon on top of that because you don't want the bacon to get soggy on the plate. Nope. Chris. Of course. You take the onions out. Now you've got a pan with some delicious, like, oniony bacon fat in there. Drop the egg in. It's a very hot pan, so that egg's going to cook very quickly. You might turn the heat even off for a second. Also... For, now, this is where the, one of the first iterations came from. Initially, I was just toasting the English muffin and buttering it. And then I realized I was throwing away this delicious like bacon grease in the pan. Oh, uh, yep. Bruh. You Bruh. take the English muffin and you put it face down in that pan while you're cooking the egg, and it soaks up the bacon grease. And it toasts the, uh, the English muffin. Um, on the pan, which is something I, I haven't done like toasting bread too often. Uh, this is kind of the first time I've done that. So you basically just leave the muffins in there for as long as you like because you can't really burn them because they kind of sit awkwardly in the pan. They don't sit too flat, so it's hard to burn them that way. So as soon as your egg is done, pull out that muffin, butter on the bottom, cheese slice, then the egg goes on the cheese, helping to melt that. Onions go on top of the egg, and the bacon goes on top. Here's another key iteration. First time, like an idiot, I just put the I put I broke the piece of bacon in half, put it on there. Mm. When you take a bite like that, you're gonna pull a whole half of bacon out, and you know yep. that there's gonna be so many bites where you aren't having bacon. Yep. Second time, I was like, oh, I'll be real smart. I'll chop it up like really fine, almost like bacon bites. They all fell out. That was a yep. terrible idea. What a what a stupid thing to do. Third time's the charm. You chop it in like maybe four to six pieces. This is enough that they will structurally sort of stay in the sandwich, but uh, you won't just bite a piece and then pull out all of the bacon of the sandwich. Um, and then, now this is the most important part, on the other side of the muffin, you put your green Cholula. You can put some red Cholula mm. on there if you want to. I think the green really, really works. Put that on top. Take your sharp knife that you have lying next to the <laughs> sink that you didn't clean from last night. You rinse it off. And you stab straight through the sandwich very briefly just to pierce the yolk so that it doesn't sputter out and spray you when you take your first bite. And that is your bacon and egg sandwich. And it's delicious. Uh, you know, like, when you find a new thing? That, that was into? me right now. Yeah. <laughs> listening to you describe how to make a sandwich is my new, like, ASMR. <laughs> 
I'm glad you I'm glad you enjoyed it because I have been enjoying it. And I like, yeah, these are just these things are keeping me keeping me going right now. Bacon Ness Memoir. No, sorry. Mm, I'll I'll (laughs) accept it. Okay. (laughs) I thought you guys had a bunch of good corn puns and I tried to get in on it and it didn't work. It was it was it was good. Derek, that was flawless. I I love that more than anything. Terrell. I really want to know. How are you keeping whole? How are you dodging hollow right now? How am I dodging hollow? That is the question. Um, so it's weird to think about it because I feel like it's only been a month since I started, since I, since I entered this world. Um, and maybe it's been like a month and a week or maybe we're about going on a month and a half, but, um, a friend gave me a very, late-ish uh, birthday present. My birthday's in June, and um, due to COVID, all things are, you know, kind of in shipping craziness. Uh, as a matter of fact, <laughs> more on that in a second. Uh, I received two Magic the Gathering uh, card decks uh, mm. from a friend uh, as a gift to kind of suck me into the world of MTG, Magic the Gathering, um, and all things therein. Um, and it's kind of interesting. I mean, I've, you know, dabbled with Magic the Gathering a little bit in the past. Um, collected a few of the cards when I was, um, Kate, like sort of high school, um, middle school. Uh, and then for a little while in college, I would, you know, even bought a deck and was playing with some folks, but it's always really weird when, Everybody else has been playing for so long and they've got their decks that are super customized mm-hmm. and teched out. And here I am with this store bought deck that like everybody knows how to beat uh, inside and out. But yeah. Metaphors. <laughs> uh, Capitalism. Yeah, something like that. Um, but, uh, you know, my friend was good. Like, you know, the good thing about having two decks is that, you know, they're two decks of about the same kind of caliber, the same power level, some mm. might say. Uh, so playing them against each other is always generally fair. But yeah, having these two decks with one that's kind of, you know, meant to be what's called aggro, which is mostly mountain and plains type creatures, so red and white, uh, where you're, you're, the constant idea is to attack, attack, attack. So get, you know, a bunch of small critters out in the field that, you know, don't have a whole lot of power, but they, you know, will start attacking and doing damage very quickly and, you know, you'll get the win uh, eventually, whereas the blue deck is much more what's called control. And that's a much more sophisticated and harder way to play where, the idea isn't so much to put out a bunch of creatures and to, you know, fight, but rather to be able to deflect or counter the, you know, opponents trying to do things. So there's a bunch of spells that will, say, bounce creatures back to your hand. So someone plays something from their hand and then the next turn or maybe even immediately after they play it, you bounce it back to their hand, but they already used the energy to play it. So now they're kind of sitting there dead in the water. Uh, and it's much harder to think about how it is that you win that way because it, is in some ways many very defensive, but like there are larger sort of ways to build your board and kind of get to a sort of win strategy. So thinking about the kind of differences between those things and how they interact has just been a ton of fun. Um, but you know, put it, to put it plainly, I've, I've just sort of got the bug. Um, there's a PC game called Magic the Gathering Arena that is sort of sponsored by Wizards of the Coast. It's free to play. Uh, and so, you know, the ability to play without having to have someone, you know, right next to me, especially since, like, the main way that people play Magic the Gathering is by going to uh, game stores um, and by game stores, not GameStop, like game stores that specialize in selling 
uh, board games. Sometimes they're often combined with comic books and uh, they actually mostly sell card game and card game accessories. So it's, you know, a little humbling to go to some of these uh, local game stores and then see, you know, little kids coming in to buy uh, the newest thing of Yu-Gi-Oh! or Pokemon cards. And just like, you know, it's a kind of a reminder of like, yeah, this, this is where you're at. Uh, <laughs> um, but, the, but maybe it's where you need to be. Maybe it is. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it is. It is a it is a reminder of 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 that kind of thing that I that used to be my life and is now becoming my life again. Um, and, you know, the, the arena thing playing on the computer is, is cool. It's the the program's not great. I mean, one, it's free to play, and it's got well all the baggage of free to play, right? So, um, there are ways in which it wants you to pay real money, and there are moments where I'm trying to say like, oh wow, I could you know pay this real money and have all these extra cards to sort of build these better decks, or I could not do that and fall into that hole because what becomes two dollars just this one time will easily become fifty dollars by the end of the week, uh, mm-hmm. and then you know it's com- compounded by the fact that like, I, yeah, I got to try and control my spending on the actual real cards themselves, <laughs> uh, so that's always tricky. Uh, and the other thing is that there are no bots, right? And you know, bots is what kind of made you know my old addiction, the Pokemon trading card game. Uh, you know, emulated on the 3DS. So compelling is like, oh, I, I don't have to interact with anybody. I can just, you know, whip up on these bots because, you know, they weren't they weren't ever 11 years old and, and, and memorized the, the 150 <laughs> and all the combinations. They don't they don't they ain't got that on me. They don't know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but yeah, it's, it's still cool to kind of interact and see other people building decks and doing things. It's, it still kind of has the same problem that I had when I was playing in, in college a little bit of, you know, sometimes someone rolls out with, oh, yeah, they've been on Arena since it started. And, you know, they've put mm-hmm. however much money in and, oh, wow, I don't even know what that card does. But like, yikes. <laughs> uh, but man, it sure did it just kill me. <laughs> right. Um, this I, I will recount this one one particularly stinging loss. Um, somebody played a card called beloved princess that is only like sounds nice and great it really does no problem it's super it's super disarming and you look at it and it's like oh that's like a cute little one one i don't really need to worry about it like it can't do that much damage to me i'll just have something block it it's no big deal right uh and then you find out that it's got this one ability which is that it can't be blocked by anything with three or higher power. And it's like, oh, okay, I'll just keep some little chumps around. And then if you ever decide to get buck, I got you. Um, but then homie puts like some buffs on it. And next thing you know, it's like, oh, it's a four, four now. And it's got <laughs> hex proof. And, you know, I like playing this deck that's got all these ways of like, you know, there's a bunch of spells that let you, uh, make it so that a creature can't attack or block. And so playing those is always fun. But then, you know, because they count as enchantments, there's certain creatures that, you know, their power ultimately comes down to however many enchantments you have in the board. So if I like throw out a bunch of spells that like, you know, make it so that this guy can't block or attack, this guy's like bounced off into like another dimension. So he's like worthless to the whole fight in general, but it still counts as my enchantment that's being played. So I, I drop this guy and he's got like, you know, 10 power because of all the like enchantments I have. That's really great. And you've got nothing to attack. So that's like, you know, kind of been the, the sort of deck strategy I've been playing with, but this has gotten to a point where it's like, Oh, it's hex proof. So this beloved little princess that was one, one is now four, four. <laughs> I can't get it out of the way. And I can't block with anything that's stronger than like a two. And it's going to kill whatever blocks it. 
this is getting ugly. And then it just oh, kept rolling, right? Like it went from a 2-2 <laughs> to like a, a like 20-20. I'm like, oh God, this is going to kill me in one hit. And I'm doing all these things just to like keep it from like decimating me. I'm just like throwing these like sacrificial lamb creatures in front of it. And at the end, <laughs> it has like lifelink, which means like for every inch of damage it does, the, you know, the other guy gains that health. So I think the end score was like something close to 200 to like negative 100. Like that's how bad I got beat by this one freaking thing on the board. And I just, wow. So it's, it's like demoralizing to get beat that way, but it's also sort of like, wow, I got, uh, that cool. that happened. Someone can do that. And then, you know, my friend who, you know, kind of gave me the decks explained, oh yeah, that's a Voltron deck. That's that's a that's a that's a cute one. That's that's fun. Uh so now I'm thinking like maybe I should try and build a um build a deck with a beloved little princess that then just like, you know, beats yeah. the snot out of people. And now it's one of those things and <laughs> you know, this is like a total like poker reference, but in poker, if you ever get the hand two five offsuit, which everyone knows is like the worst, you know, hand in poker, the idea is like discard it, right? Be like, you know, it's it's not good. You're not gonna get it. Just fold. Don't put money into this. But then there's always gonna be that moment where you fold two five offsuit and then the flop is five five two. And you're just mm-hmm. kicking yourself like, ah, oh, I should have kept it. I would have had this. But like you, you have to like learn, no, this was like a random freak incident. You can't make bad plays based off like the one time you saw the instance that would have saved you. But now every time I see a beloved princess, I'm just like, God, <laughs> no, <laughs> never again. <laughs> never <did>. again. <laughs> like bounce it. <laughs> Curse it. <laughs> Do it now <laughs> because you can't come back. Uh, so, yeah. Um, and it's just like weird getting into this game in my early 30s, having been someone who was nine to maybe 12 collecting these cards i mean one just like keeping them ordered you know just the the nagging presence of my mother uh and to be fair she had plenty of reason to nag i you know i got a nintendo 64 around the same time i was collecting pokemon cards and there was one point where we just had like a n64 box full of them and just like junk cards too like the the upteenth rattata and it was just all in the box and they weren't orderly kept or anything like that so you know i'm trying to be you know grown person keeping them in boxes and you know i got a bunch of amazon boxes that i should have thrown away but i put them all together because it's like you know this is going to get out of control real quick i gotta keep a way to contain them um there's that i mean that and just like the weird culture or like the surprisingly in-depth and Mm. open culture surrounding magic the gathering um there's a Mm -hmm. bunch of youtube channels that are really good about sort of showing people how to play and you know talking through how to like modify some of the pre-constructed decks that you can buy uh there's one guy who's actually really really dedicated to reviewing almost every single product that you can get for the cards including play mats uh the card sleeves to protect them and he's got this whole thing where he um you know was playing magic when he was growing up but like his family did not have a lot of money and his whole thing is like, you know, I do this because, you know, if I can keep one person from wasting a dollar and not getting the most that they can of that dollar, it's worth it. And like, you're worth mm-hmm. it, right? Like no yeah, one that's sick. should put. And so, you know, seeing that and then just surprisingly the amount of both. Well, specifically, there's a lot of women who play Magic the Gathering and sort of have personalities based on that. So like Twitter personalities, YouTube presences, that sort of thing. Sometimes they'll um, be the type to like mod cards. So like people who like will 
paint alternate designs on cards and do that sort of thing, or we'll stream the various different types of playing. Um, there are some people of color. There's two people in particular who have a whole show dedicated to uh, these really high level productions of games where uh whenever someone plays an interesting card the card like zooms in on the screen and they used to be in hollywood so they've got all the like you know production <laughs> experience and yeah it's kind of funny the whole story behind them is that like you know they were in hollywood for the longest time doing the whole production thing and then they realized we'd rather just sit around all day and play cards and so they <laughs> left that to do that and you know they're you know making a killing doing it it's kind of fun watching them there that's um josh and jimmy and the command zone is the name of the the youtube channel for anybody who's interested um but more than anything, the thing that's kind of taken me aback about this, and it's something that's like weird to like get accustomed to, is I'm sitting here like you know, I can reach over and pick up like a stack of cards, which means I'm probably not the doing physicality. Good... the physicality. The yeah. physicality, right? Um, yes. But you know, even now, like in a backpack that I use whenever I'm like you know going you know someplace to pick up something, and you know, so I store my stuff. I've got a pack of cards that's like a pre-release for the recent set that just came out called Zendikar Rising. And I haven't opened it yet. And the mm. reason why I haven't opened it yet is because there's this whole thing called um, sealed play, where if I get a hold mm. of six booster packs and someone else gets a hold of six booster packs, we can both crack those open and then out of those cards, put together a deck made randomly and then play against each other. And it's it takes out the, the sort of deck, the like, you know, car mechanic garage of thinking about how car, how the decks kind of work together and how the cards play off one another. And it's more about like what you can read out of like the kind of randomness of those cards and putting together a strategy to play. Uh, and <laughs> there's like this really big culture of like, don't crack booster packs unless you're ready to play either mm -hmm. uh, a sealed mm -hmm. game where you've got the booster packs and you do it or there's also a sort of version called draft where you take a booster pack you open it you pull a card then you pass it to somebody and then they pull a card and that's really wild because you have to start paying attention to like okay what was in that pack who pulled what if it comes back to me are those cards still there that means that so-and-so is putting together this i need to put together something again uh but you know whereas back in the pokemon trading card days you got a pack you cracked them just because like you wanted to get the new thing and you wanted to try and, Charizard. and collect get them the, all gotta get gotta, gotta get, get the shiny charizard right <laughs> you gotta catch them all you gotta get the charizard the blastoise the venusaur all of it and it's just really strange to sort of think about how magic has become this thing where there's way too many cards where catching them all is ever a possibility and you're not really trying to complete your collection so much as collect the things that are most useful to you or things that you can trade so that you can get the stuff that's most useful to you and how weird it is that it can encourage me to have purchased a thing on sale, no less. And there are six booster packs that I have chilling in a backpack that I don't know what's in them because I should save them so I can play, you know, this version of the game. And I, I love your optimism, Terrell. I do I love too. your optimism and your hope. And I think that's that's a great way to to think to think about this. You got some hope in your backpack. Yep. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> huh? Well. Do we want to wrap up? I think so. Yeah. I, I know. Take us take us home. Take us home. All right. Well, um, that has been it for us. Uh, we hope that you've enjoyed this presentation of Dodging Hollow. Uh, Kyle, where can folks find you? on the webs uh you can find me on the internet on twitter at e kyle romero also don't go on twitter <laughs> facts Derek. um 
you can find me on Twitter at digital underscore Derek, but not in the mornings and n- never on the weekends where I have blocked Twitter on every browser that I have. <laughs> During your crucial sandwich making time. Yes. Exactly. Yes. 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 Got to be fully focused on creating and enjoying the sandwich. Yes. And Terrell? Uh they can find me uh, at Black Socrates, uh, and I'm on Twitter whenever because the app I use for Twitter lets me create a favorites list, and there are certain things that I let in, and everything else is just background noise. So smart. Um, and you know, I, I wish I could do the same with Facebook. Facebook is very quickly getting to that point where it's like, yeah, I can't do it. So I think yeah. you all also don't use Facebook. Yeah, that's my other <laughs> advice. I think you two are are, are already well ahead of me. Um, with respect to uh, ditching the the Facebook, so Facebook is it. the opposite of a corn maze. That's what I think. <laughs> that is, it has no beginning, no end. You get, you cannot leave it. It is not fulfilling. And I would never ever make a breakfast sandwich with Facebook on it. Put that on a T-shirt. <laughs> Wrap it up. Lock it up. Facts. Facts. Um, well, thanks for having us, Terrell. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for showing. And uh, till next time, friends, don't you dare go holler.